Hello, I'm humor cartoonist David Yoder. I like to make funny comics. My good friend, Dennis St. John, is a horror cartoonist. He likes to make scary comics. You can imagine that we're both big fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with its laughs and scares. We also both agree that the best part of Buffy is Jonathan Levinson, played by Danny Strong. Lucky for us, Dennis's friends from high school love Buffy and think Jonathan is the best as well. All except one, one of his friends who stubbornly refused to even watch Buffy, let alone admit that Jonathan is the best part of the show. So here we are, trying to convince him of the awesomeness that is Jonathan. Join me, Dennis, Doc Travis, and John Teach Landis as we make Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer a week until he admits how great Jonathan is and until he is no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Buffy Virgin podcast. I, of course, am your host, David Yoder. And uh, today we're going to talk about season four, episode 17, Superstar, featuring everyone's favorite character, Jonathan Levinson. And, uh, joining me today are Dennis St. John. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Travis. I love Jonathan. And uh, John Teach Landis. I also love Jonathan. Happy to be here. And Michael, our uh, virgin, virgin uh, how, how are you feeling about Jonathan today? Feeling very good about Jonathan. I'm, t- I'm starting to get the joke right now. <laughs> the joke? Uh, okay. Well, anyway, uh, now that we got that out of the way, I think it's a good time to go into reactions from listeners. And Dennis, do you have some from Twitter? Twitter? Yeah, let me just pull up the Twitter right now. Bloop, 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 bloop. Um, this is in reaction to uh, the body swap episode. Uh, who are you? Um, <laughs> at Ren and Oz says, uh, that face when Travis cannot help himself. And uh, it's a little gif of Shirley Temple giggling. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Rich at Dingo Action says, uh, recommendations, Irving Welsh's The Acid House featuring a body swap with a baby. Hmm. Which is, of course, everybody knows John's fantasy. <laughs> that's how you live longer <laughs> and then uh do we have some reactions from youtube i guess yeah we do so uh this is uh silver spike says my favorite part of this episode is because is because it's wrong uh that line and how the third time faith says it she really believes it i feel it's a turning point for this character the line was a brilliant way of showing that to the audience yeah good call and then from shore force Yay, Guy Smiley, America's favorite game show host. <laughs> and I, I love how this Guy Smiley character came out. It wasn't my intent, but John captured that. It was wonderful. Uh, and then SAGF9 with a brilliant, when is the next episode coming? I'm bored. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're just all busy people with amazing lives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and SAGF9 also said, I love the summary again. So a lot of praise for the summary this episode. That was, a, that was a nice co-op. Thanks, everybody. And speaking of summary, I think Michael has a summary for us this time. The Summary With a dusty old book full of powerful spells, it's how I established a cult of myself. I was invisible in high school without magic. First girl I almost kissed was a mummy. So, so tragic. tragic. My Christmas like lightning. Your memory's the rod. You can call me Johnny. I'm Little Man God. Used to be suicidal. Tried to kill myself with my granddad's rifle. Buffy intervened and now, now I'm, I'm her idol. I'm one part Bond and two parts Jordan. You see my face all around like I was George Foreman. My Christmas like lightning. Your memory's the ride. You can call me Johnny. I'm your little man god. Aw, oh, dude. That's going to be in my head <laughs> all day. I'm going to be like... Those are some fresh lyrics you dropped. Yeah, that was I had to cut that down from the NC-17 version, so that will hopefully be up on my SoundCloud so you can hear the full version of what, where that went. Full penetration, yeah. All right, uh, and now we're going on to Great Lines. Great Lines, 
it looks like I've got the first one here. Xander, we knocked him dead, which they already were. Then Will says, we knocked him deader. And Anya, I really like her retort here. They weren't very well organized. If they had all rushed at Buffy, they could have killed her right away. That's good stuff. Dennis? This is from Anya. Uh, you could have a world without shrimp, or, you know, nothing but shrimp. You could even make a freaky world where Jonathan is some kind of not perfect mouth breather if that's what's blowing up your skirt these days. <laughs> Just don't ask me to live there. Um, and then later, uh, Buffy is like, we're like his pawns or prawns <laughs> with a shrimp. <laughs> It's so fun and specific and unexpected. Uh, I like the lines uh, just this as this kind of world was setting it in my mind. So I'm I'm the virgin. I you know I I hadn't seen this episode before, and like when Buffy's talking to Riley, it's like you must be feeling better. Riley says, "Yeah, a lot stronger." I mean, I'm no Jonathan, but I'm doing okay. It's like I don't know yeah. that that just. Lulled I, I feel like that's a good tipper to what's going on in this episode when that happens. I gotta say, the Jonathan poster in his room is a major improvement <laughs> over balls. <laughs> so amazing. I'm um, surprised more of this fan merch isn't just all over the world, but anyway. Yeah, maybe. that's a good question. Um, I'd like the, uh, the random vampires talking with Adam. Well, you're the evil messiah guy. There's something new in town. Oh, he was there, Jonathan. Jonathan, tell me who he is. You're joking, right, Adam? These are lies. None of this is real. And I just feel like Mike said that before about Jonathan. <laughs> Who is this? And we're like, it's Jonathan. And you're like, you're joking. Yeah, I have a very Terminator-like uh, perception about Jonathan. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed this joke where uh, Buffy says, Giles, you have a Jonathan swimsuit calendar? And Giles says, uh, no, uh, yes, it, it was a gift. It's a little bit of a no homo joke, but it's still funny. Oh, it's funny that he he knew exactly where it was and it was hidden under his desk. Yeah, it was like under his actual like <laughs> desk calendar, like on his desk. Pretty good. We know Giles loves calendars. Oh, not too soon. It's been so long. <laughs> you can joke about his dead girlfriend. Sorry, now. Uh, I need a minute for that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Dennis, you got your kill count ready? I do. I counted six dead vampires, two humans, none we saw killed, but we saw them bodies, uh, one monster, not a demon, and one, and death to cool Jonathan. Long live nerdy Jonathan. Oh, whoa. So I don't have to predict he's coming back. Got it. That's the end of cool Jonathan. I mean, I don't know. You never know in this show. He's always uh, cool. All right. And moving on to our weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. Dennis, you got the first one here. Yeah, I just I love the new intro, um, and I especially Jonathan's. Jonathan walks towards the. It's uh, Angels Walk. Jonathan doing Angels Walk in the intro. Uh, that intro is very special. Like, I. I know everyone was excited about this episode. Like to go just back in time a little bit. Every time Jonathan has appeared on the show, there's been some excitement from this group of people. As and, there should be. <laughs> of course. And then like when the intro plays and Jonathan is just like in so many clips, like it just took a minute for my brain to realize they, they were what was being fussed with. And like, no, what is happening? Why would Jonathan, this is a central role. What is What's going on here? Oh my gosh, it was just such like a mind-bending experience. So thank you for preserving that because it would be so easy to spoil this. It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, it made my like I couldn't I couldn't even understand the episode for like twenty minutes. It just felt like from another show. It was amazing. So Mike, you didn't think anything was up from the beginning where like Buffy's fighting one vampire and she's having a lot of difficulty, and then like she goes into the they're like hideout and like sees that there's like three or four of them. And she's like, Oh, I can't handle that on my own. Uh, no, I, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, Buffy could be weak for some reason. I don't know. That could be explained. Like I've, I can handle Buffy weakness, but just like the Jonathan character, just like, just he's going to be present and a part of things. And like, I mean, there's just so many amazing moments in this episode. I think I, I get why it's like a top one for a lot of people. Yeah. 
All right, and then I have the next point here. Uh, so Riley's hanging out in his room, talking with Buffy, uh, some about themselves, some about Jonathan. But he's wearing jeans, no shirt, and you know, shooting tiny Nerf basketballs, as you do. I just thought that was like an interesting out outfit choice there. <laughs> it's like they weren't like making out or anything, but it's just like, I'm just gonna like rock no shirt. That's when you hang out with jocks this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh there's the problem <laughs> I, I don't have that connection dude the right. jonathan poster in riley's room is that was a little mind-bending because i i kind of i kind of can totally get the jonathan james bond thing like slash scooby gang thing but then it's also he's a sports hero <laughs> and so like <laughs> that part where it's like that that was just like i was like okay this uh, what's going on and like i it's just like through this episode every time a new piece of jonathan media appears whether it's a book or whatever and i'm sure we'll discuss them it's like i can't believe how much time was spent making these props <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> i wrote down some of the products oh um, yeah there's the jonathan o's cereal the basketball poster just a shit ton of flyers um books and jonathan shoes the swimsuit calendar Trading cards, the Dark Horse comic, um, the Jonathan.com. Oh, and being Jonathan Levinson is like the movie playing at the theater. <laughs> it, it's sort of, so, his book. Oh, mm -hmm. that's so many books. So uh, I've been watching a show called The Prisoner. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. Yeah. So, but like The Prisoner has a couple prop heavy episodes like this one. Like there's the episode where The Prisoner, you know, Patrick McGowan's character is running for mayor. It's like this turning point in the show where instead of trying to escape, he tries to like change things from the inside or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, he's like, I'm going to, you know, run for mayor. And immediately he has all the posters and icons with his face on and he's walking around. You're like, where do these come from? And like, they really play with that. And it feels like a transformation, but that's like within an episode, not from before the episode begins, but damn. Uh, anyway, I was thinking strongly of that because also that's an episode where there's none of this merchandise is available outside of the like no one's no fan is like playing that tune. Oh. Uh, Dark Horse did put out an issue of the Jonathan comic. I used to have it. I don't think I what? do it anymore. Really? That, when this was coming out? Yeah, I think a year later or something. But uh, it was like from within this world, um, and I that's think it involved cool. like Jonathan jumping out of a plane, like by <laughs> Jonathan action. Well, I'm gonna chase that down. That sounds wonderful. All right, so I guess we've talked about the media that Jonathan appears in. Um, so Karen with a K gets attacked outside Jonathan's house like while she's kind of stalking him. And I just, I like the design of the monster when we first see him. He's got like these really long forearms. He's bald and he's got a ZZ Top beard kind of thing going on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a good looking monster. Not a demon, just a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, it's funny though that they, when we find out what he's supposed to be, you're like, hey, he doesn't seem like the paragon of evil. <laughs> but yeah, he seems like they used like, um, you know, like uh, when people are doing ape suits, they have to have those arm extenders. Like it seems like they grabbed a pair of arm extenders, and built a scabby body around it. It does feel like a monster that happened organically when you're playing around with monster stuff yeah. versus like a designed creature like it's just such a strange one well also with this episode it's like they could have basically used any monster and just needed to have the like the one identifier symbol thing you know on him uh like i feel like that was the main point <laughs> um i'm so i'm happy that the balls poster is gone it's pretty amazing <laughs> <laughs> so, i don't know what this thing is where like if someone's good at chess they're like I don't know, good at everything else in life. It's like the nerd version of being good at sports. Like nerds think that like, if you're a football player, then like you're, you're like king of the hill, you know, you, you got everything in the palm of your hand. Like the nerd version of that is being good at chess, right? It's like, it's like this obsession, like, oh, he's good at chess, watch out. It's like, no, this person just is good at chess. It doesn't mean <laughs> that they're great at all these other things that are, you know, not physical. Yeah, I think that was just the shorthand to show how he's superior to Giles, even in the intellect. But yeah, it doesn't mean that either. It just means you're good at chess. It doesn't. 
I don't know. You have to be kind of smart to play chess, I think, or to be good at it at least. Yeah, it's just they're just using it like a common trope, right? Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just saying the trope is funny. Like it's just it's yeah. I'm with you, Travis. As as somebody who right. is really bad at chess, it's really important to me that chess not be the marker for intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, would love, I, would, I would love to see like like some jocks like you know, people, I'd love to see like like a, a podcast of jocks. I'm not sure I'd like to see this complain about like football players, you know, getting all the cool movies. And, and then they're like, they're like volleyball players or something. And they're like, <laughs> just because you're good at football doesn't mean like you're like the jock, you're, you're the most athletic person in the world. You know, it's like, actually, you know, I, I just. Like, I did have a, a roommate freshman year who was always complaining about how there's no good lacrosse movies. And he's right. like, all we got is American Pie. He's like, and they suck at lacrosse in that. I love this problem of <laughs> not having representation because it's the stupidest form of it versus like, you know, people of color are like, I, there's not enough people in Hollywood that represent me. And it's like, hey, there's not enough lacrosse players. Like, I <laughs> well, like, you know, there's... Where's lacrosse is Rudy? There's all kinds of organizations that can go and lobby for a group. Yeah, you know, for representation, whether it's in a textbook or whatever. But like, where's the Rockies Pokemon Go? <laughs> like, just give a million dollars to some lacrosse organization to go after the idea of more lacrosse in movies, and like, I bet they could solve that problem. Anyway, it's just a dumb, wonderful yeah. problem. Yeah. Uh, speaking of sports, I say uh, that Buffy brings up like Olympics uh, slang as Olympic events, but does not mention synchronized slang because that's her in face event. That's still an open wound. <laughs> um, and when we get to the part where Jonathan sings, I just wanted to point out the singing voice of Jonathan is, uh, sorry, what's his name? Fuck. Uh, B- Brad Kane, who played Tucker in the prom episode um, and who was the singing voice of Aladdin. Um, so just shout out to that guy. I think it matched up pretty well in this episode too. It sounded like Jonathan, yeah. And uh, with that singing and then his uh, trumpet playing, um, and while they're at the Browns, uh, Anya mentioned, or Xander kind of calls out Anya for uh, saying Jonathan's name while they were getting busy the night before. And then when Jonathan's playing the trumpet, she just tells Xander, like, sex now. And they go and I I assume have sex because they don't show that. I think the the important takeaway from that is that Jonathan's beautiful singing voice and charisma horns up everybody, regardless of gender, regardless of what your sexual preference could have been before. They're all... I don't know, because Willow and Anya are still, like, just friends. Like, they don't seem... Willow and Tara. Or Willow and Tara, yeah, are just still, like, kind of, like, just friends. Like, they don't seem affected even though they have that wall of like Jonathan love, it's like, they're not really like that spell, you know, that spell doesn't really. I don't know. I think it depends on how you interpret what's going on there. It's almost, to me, it's almost like everybody's like primary sexuality takes like a backseat to Jonathan, Jonathan sexualness. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's horniness is being filtered through the funnel that is Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he has to give you approval to do all those things. I mean, implicit approval. When he sings for you. <laughs> uh, Dennis, did you have anything else to say about the creature for this week? Um, I mean, I just think it's interesting that they make this distinction about not being a demon, just a monster. Um, and they don't get into it at all. And obviously it's part of Jonathan's uh, lying to us, which hurts all of us, I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, like... The only time they've ever done this before is with the werewolves. Um, so I don't know. I guess it's just building more distinction into what what defines monsters and creatures in the Buffyverse. I feel like it's a pretty light like uh, like consequence for the spell. Like for everything he's able to get out of it, it seems like maybe the like the bigger twist would have been if like the the monster that like you know is the consequence of it is like the previous person that used the spell or something. You know what I mean? Like you get turned into, I don't know. Anyway, uh, and I, I don't care uh, much for Adam or that storyline from this season, but um, it, it's great how he like just figures out right away what's going on <laughs> with this Jonathan world. 
and uh, like Travis's quote that he pulled out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we haven't seen a lot of Anya interacting individually with different characters yet who aren't Xander, but she does not like Buffy. <laughs> she is ready for Buffy to go. Um, so that was just a great dynamic. Uh, uh, yeah, speaking of Buffy, I'm kind of shocked how thoughtful Jonathan is in his like fantasy version of himself. So there's a couple exchanges and obviously one at the end as well. Like Jonathan is this incredibly like kind person that really is strongly empathetic. And like it really is uh, interesting because like in um, uh, trying to think of the name of the episode, this, the, the school shooting episode with Jonathan um, where... Yeah you know Buffy like implies a lot of empathy with Jonathan you know she's like guessing at his struggle and then Jonathan of course now like he totally understands everything going on in her life and like oh you give Riley another chance and you know Faith you know this body swapping thing that happened and like he just knows everything about what's going on in her life and it's just it's such an insane feeling as a viewer I kind of <laughs> love it but I'm also like really surprised and kind of um in a good way about the show's interpretation of this kind of fantasy. Cause I think this is like an easy thing to overlook, but instead they make it, you know, they make it about the show. And so they use Jonathan as this opportunity to go deeper on the story and maybe get a reversal on the Riley, you know, Buffy thing. And like, I really love that. And it's just, so, it just makes me feel crazy. But um, I think the strong empathy as a character, you know, value is like awesome. And it was it used to fun effect uh, in this episode. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting also, like, what, when he becomes the paragon of, of goodness, like, what that means to him, and, like, or, you know, that that's that, and that he, he yeah, becoming a, an incredibly empathetic person is part of that, and, uh, like, emo, in, emotionally intelligent person is part of that paragonness instead of, like, I think, I think in another show, the guy who was, like, perfect wouldn't, like, wouldn't care about the emotional side of things, right? Yeah, well, no, no. well, go ahead, sorry. Uh, and I was just gonna say in another show or even Buffy, like maybe a couple seasons ago, I think we would have gotten this like fun alternate version of the world, you know, but it wouldn't have had any like actual effects on events that have already happened. Like we were talking about like with the Buffy Riley faith issue from the previous episode that like, you know, that gets fully addressed here. So, you know, it's interesting. It's like all the past events did happen. They're just like slightly different because of Jonathan's involvement with the group and stuff. Yeah. I'd like to see what, you know, there's some details about what those slight alterations are. Like, I assume Jonathan is the one who fell in love with Angel in season one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm just imagining when Angel loses his soul because of his true happiness and yeah. everything. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, where are we? <laughs> um jonathan trading cards oh yeah okay, uh, well, can i jump in isn't it amazing how tara used a pretty cool spell like I, when i first watched it, i totally forgot that she does some cool magic i was like oh good for tara oh the, yeah, like, the obscure yeah. yeah the obscure so i'm like yeah we got two witches on this show that's right <laughs> oh yeah also can we deal with um the Paragon of Evil, uh, this great monster not being able to break through a fucking closet door. <laughs> <laughs> the monster's well, so maybe, weak. Maybe she did another spell on the door or something that we didn't see. Yeah, yeah so the Jonathan problem. Right, so I'm, I was kind of surprised that Buffy was able to figure out that Jonathan, the Jonathan timeline was messed up. I mean, in the fact, like, everyone's so committed to Jonathanism or, John, you know, to, to being into it, like, you're you're like there's no way they can figure this out like what's the magical thing that will happen <clears throat> and then like when buffy basically is like i'm the slayer i'm the strongest i can't be there can't be someone who's stronger than me is like how she kind of puts it together in her mind and i was like that's that's this really like inflated view of yourself and maybe she walks away with that you know or like feels that all the time but i'm like i that just doesn't strike me as a buffy like how a buffy would deduce that I mean, I think like if it was related to fashion or clothes or like, you know, Jonathan always dresses great, even though like, you know, like I really work at it and I, I've lost a fashion, like a beauty contest to him and like doesn't make sense. <laughs> but, like something, you know, something that like, you know, he, 
he maybe knew too much about her personal life and like what was happening. Like, how could Jonathan have been in that room with me and knew all the things I was feeling? You know, so, I think that's that that stuff starts to unravel, right? But yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, it does start to unravel for everybody. But like, I think that's the initial thought, right? It's like he's stronger than me, and that's wrong. I, I think I mean, it's that she's like, why is he like he's purposely ignoring evidence about this demon or about this monster? Right. Yeah, that's the point she brings up, you know, because of um, Tara getting hurt, that it's like that was Jonathan like leading them astray. And it's in this world where Jonathan is perfect and all good. And so that's kind of what breaks Buffy's illusion, I think, is that it's like, well, how can he be perfect and all good if he told us one thing and then it caused something bad to happen as a result of that? Gosh, it's so funny. The way you described him just now, it sounded like you were describing God. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there might be churches God. for Jonathan out there. Who knows? Um, okay, so now can we talk about some trading cards featuring our good old <laughs> friend Jonathan? Because, uh, yes, please, sign me up. I, I, I want some of those. Um, and I just wonder, like, you know, he's got all these, you know, claims to fame and everything but i think at some point he'd probably run out of like ideas for trading cards i don't know i'm imagining like the simpsons joke of like the crusty trading card where it's like crusty poses for trading card <laughs> thing <laughs> when buffy calls the meeting and everything and uh uh is trying to describe like what she thinks going on it stings when giles says buffy is out of her depth i'm like damn giles Support your Slayer. Did anyone listen to the commentary track from the writer on the DVD? No. I mean, it, it was it was good, um, but I, she kind of pointed out, which like I don't think I would have picked up on really watching, just watching. But that like the point of this like meeting where they like don't include Jonathan is that in this world, it's like this is the first time Buffy's even ever done something yeah. like this. Like so, it's like her first time of like going after something alone pretty much yeah i mean think about spike's relationship with buffy in this world that he doesn't even know her versus like her being this epic thing that's like a part of his life you know yeah uh and another claim to fame for jonathan is that he invented the internet so take that al gore i bet he teamed up with fritz and moloch to, to invent the internet though Ooh. You know, it, when you say stuff like that, it's shocking that the world isn't more different. That Jonathan's imagined world is still like pretty similar. Everyone's <laughs> still going to the same college, dating the same people. Uh, yeah. Just like we still got the Matrix. Little things here. Yeah. Yeah. Still- well, that's, that's why it's interesting that his Paragon of Cool spell like made him part of the Scooby gang. Like, uh, I mean, that must have been his internal desire when creating this spell, right? To like be part of this gang. Um, because like it's not like anybody in that crew thinks they're the coolest right uh it's just to this outsider i don't know i think buffy secretly thinks she's pretty cool (laughs) i mean i know she's got her inner prom queen but (laughs) oh yeah that's right we we forgot to talk about all the easter eggs where they they they, the things that they say jonathan does that if you watch the show for three three and a half years you're like no, Buffy did all these things. Yeah, but like you would never Master Bones, the and... Master Bones, the Class Protector Award. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah, the the Class Protector is great. That's such a good callback. Yeah. Oh man, uh, one of the best little details I like is during one of the Jonathan Buffy scenes that she like stirs his coffee and puts the sugar in, and then like gives it to him, and then when they oh, get yeah. up to leave, she pays for the coffee. <laughs> it's it's just like they play it's so much fun i mean just like when buffy is and is like getting advice from jonathan there's just a meanwhile there's a woman just so excited to get a book signed and she like can't help herself past interject and it's i love it because jonathan gives her almost no attention just enough attention and then later is like you're the girl whose book i signed i mean this isn't like a callback to like previous episodes of buffy but just like i don't know that character's so much fun yeah it's so simple but i think it's also because it's so different I feel like if this was a normal character, I wouldn't want to watch this show. But like as a one-off of like a like with a magical kind of reasoning, it's wonderful. So if the show is done now, would this be like the Mary Sue spell pretty much? Like that seems like it's like he's just like perfect. Oh yeah. The internet would totally call this episode out as a Mary Sue episode. 
but like that's the whole point of the episode too um uh so while they're researching um you know what jonathan did to make the world like it is uh i think it's riley mentions like excreting gold coins <laughs> and then uh anya points out that that's not as much fun as it sounds i guess <laughs> I don't know. I think you could find a way that that would be all right. Like, <laughs> like if it wasn't like a hundred percent gold, if it was a hundred percent gold. Yeah, obviously, I think that'd probably kill you. But if it's like a little bit of gold, <laughs> enough to make it worth it to pull it out of the poop, and then you'd have to like that would be your job. I, yeah, I think I would take this as like, like as my devil's bargain sort of thing. Like, because yeah. <laughs> like I would be like, well, I'm getting wealthy and like all this riches but I do still have to work for it. I want to know, <laughs> like, like it's it's not just, like, gold nuggets. Ah. <laughs> Monkey poop. Yeah, hopefully the coins it's are sliding coins. out vertically uh, and not <laughs> right. getting blocked. I just, like, I, I want to know, like, whose face is on that? Like, what year does it say it's stamped? Like, <laughs> the Tyrion Lannister coins. I'm, what if they're, <laughs> right, and they're all uh, limited edition Game of Thrones novelty yeah. coins. <laughs> melted coin. down again they're gold chocolate coins that are really worthless if they were in brick form you could call it like poolian <laughs> any predictions michael that that uh spell will actually come into play later on in the series you think no, <laughs> no one will yes I've heard of the Midas touch. I mean, this is the just, Midas wipe. Uh, <laughs> just the simplicity of this, the way this operates, where like, oh, magic doesn't work like that. Oh, magic! Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a fun gag. I, I can't. I can imagine that gag returning, where someone is like, quick, like not understanding magic does the, you know, the form, uh, you know, without the meaning, and having a thing happen because that's what's happening, and it's lovely. But uh, I don't. I don't think we'll get gold. Uh, gold magic like that because oh, like, i forgot my there's never been a financial crisis that has needed to be solved in this world even though there probably is one like i don't see anyone complaining about money ever and if that was the case maybe cordelia. some money magic would happen oh yeah cordelia oh <laughs> hmm. well maybe i kind of predict that she's gonna find some money magic but i don't think she'd sign up for that though um <laughs> but i I forgot the the other part of that scene uh, that I took a note of was just I really like the bit too where Xander says the Latin to like make the book catch on fire. Um, it, it's a really funny gag, uh, and then Giles like reprimands him, being like, "Don't speak Latin in front of the books or whatever." <laughs> yeah, that's a great series quote that none of us used. But I, we've already mentioned that uh, that Jonathan is the Barkley of Buffy. Um, and I just want to point out briefly that uh, this episode is a total knockoff of a Star Trek The Next Generation episode that came out nine years prior called The Nth Degree, in which uh, Barkley gains like super brain powers and beats people at chess and then uh, eventually hooks his brain up to the Enterprise with lasers. I feel like that's different because they don't ever establish Berkeley's always been this super genius. That's like, true. That's true. It doesn't have the, yeah, the universe shifting. But it's the same sort of thing of like, hey, you, schlubby character, get back in your place. You can't be right. one of the superheroes. Does everyone want to have sex with Barkley in that episode uh, as well? Counselor or? Troy does. Well, that's pretty good. The only character yeah. that would that matter to try to have sex with someone, yeah. I mean, are you forgetting Jonathan Frakes? Uh, but anyway... Uh, <laughs> Every character named Jonathan is amazing, even <laughs> actors. Yeah, Riker, right? I don't know. That's it's it's a show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I guess I got the last point here. Um, I I think this is actually one of my favorite bits of the whole episode. Is just like despite even some of the negative things that happens for Xander, like Anya calling out Jonathan's name, Xander really loves this world and really loves Jonathan. Like authentically so like when they're talking about ending the spell he's like no 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 world without shun sunshine world without joy and like then at the very end he's mentioning how you know how he'll remember that jonathan made him feel you know valued and respected and i i don't know i just i, I think that's all very hilarious i it begs the question is the world with jonathan a better world i think what we learned is that when jonathan achieves so high nobody else can achieve we all benefit. Uh, so, 
So for the better of, of, of others' human achievements, we must destroy our God. Wow. This is something that comes up in uh, the Iliad, which I've been reading, which is that, you know, man on our, our mortal lifespans are so short. And so we, we gods can't achieve greatness because they're infinite and eternal, but only man can achieve honor and greatness. And so it is, you know, man's responsibility on earth to, I mean, woman too, to have, to live honorably. And I thought it was like, oh yeah, because eternal things can't. Anyway, just an Iliad reference. Throwing that That's out. excellent. Uh, somebody posted these screenshots of oh, Sunnydale. Yeah, that was me. Because um, there's like two websites that are shown uh, in this episode, sunnydaletimes.com, which I think this is just a fan made this site. But I really like the one article in the middle about Jonathan saves the day. Um, <laughs> But then, sadly, Jonathan.com is like some religious, like mathematicians website or something. Like, <laughs> really weird. Um, so don't go there unless you want. That. This fan site is really odd about Sunnydale's.com. Like, a uh, young woman mugged, assailants hospitalized, and it's about Buffy getting mugged. But it says Buffy Summers, 23 of Sunnydale. 23? Mm. When is this supposed to take place? I don't know. I that's odd because I got the impression that it was made immediately after the episode like aired probably. <laughs> but somebody's still holding onto this domain name for like Yeah, it's like one page and there's like maybe a link to like a graph of like everyone that's had sex with everyone else. You can click <laughs> oh, on that. Like I will like, stop. I'll close it. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Oh yeah, so there might be spoilers. Uh yeah. Sorry, Michael. I shouldn't have just shared that freely, I guess. <laughs> Look, I All click right. on the things I can click on. <laughs> All right, so now uh, it's time for questions for the group. Questions for the group. Lando. <laughs> All right, you got the first one. Yeah, um, I'm just curious, like, how do you specific do you guys think that Jonathan got with his wishing? Like, do you think that, like, when he cast his spell, he was like, and I want my own cereal, and I want trading cards, and I want to star in the Matrix? Or do you think it was just like, I want to be the shit? And like, um, like the, the maybe the demon figured out the rest. I think. Well, I was thinking because of the specificness of it, of like joining the Buffy cast and stuff. Yeah, um, it was more of like I was imagining it being something that like the demon pulled from his internal desires, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think he was specifically like I want to be like Michael Jordan and coach women's soccer and be in the major. <laughs> Yeah, just that the spell's more like it fits that person's personal idea of what they think the paragon of being the best, whatever that means. So if um that if you use that spell, what would change in your life? Maybe say something you're really good at, uh, a movie that you would star in, and like uh something you would endorse. Maybe oh, love it. Those those three. Oh, nice. Okay. Um and now I can't think of that after I named it. <laughs> so let's start with Travis. Oh man, okay. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I'd be in a superhero movie, right? Yeah. Marvel or DC. Thor, right? Thor, remember I love Thor. And the sequel. <laughs> and everyone laughs. And the sequel to the sequel. Um, so that would be that. Um, the music, who would I be instead of the music? Uh, oh, okay, I'd, I'd be instead of, um, instead of Michael Phelps, it would be me, right? Because I used to swim. <laughs> My oh yeah, nice. Yeah. So I'd be, you know, so he'd be endorsing Subway. Also. I'd have, I'd have, you know, a hundred <laughs> gold medals. I'd have a hundred gold medals, and then, um, and then what would be my my music thing? I don't know. I don't know who I'd. Yeah, who knows for that? But that would probably be it. I don't know. It's kind of a nightmare. Jonathan, <laughs> I'd be like Elon Musk. Like instead, Jonathan's like a super James <laughs> Bondy guy, but now Elon Musk is like the crazy eccentric, cool guy. Did you hear? Travis shot his car into the sun. Yeah, what's your current vehicle that would be shot into this? Into this space <laughs> you, but Elon Musk is even just like a poor man's Iron Man. So like, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So if it's like the superhero like thing, he's like dumb Iron Man. Like <laughs> he is like dumb Iron Man. So <laughs> Iron Man is also kind of dumb. So it's like IRL just as dumb Iron Man. Yeah, it's not, it's not a great situation. That's pretty good. Um, I'd be in every Tom Hardy movie. I'd be Tom Hardy. <laughs> Makes sense. So I'd be Mad Max and Venom and Shinzon. Uh, How do you want to be Shinzon, yo? <laughs> no, you know. 
just so I can be in a Star Trek. Uh, I think I'd, yeah. What's the other ones like? So I'd be like oh, athlete. Okay, I'd be an athlete. Uh, I'd be the best lacrosse player in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get that movie started, right? I'd be like, we need a Rudy of lacrosse. <laughs> it would be called Dennis. You would be in, the, you would be in it. It would be called Dennis. They named it after me because I was an amazing lacrosse player in high school. And they're like, Dennis, you've got to play the lead part in this, in this lacrosse movie. And... <laughs> And they're like, we'll just name it after you. Dennis. Dennis. I love and then, it. like the knockoff movie that's also called Dennis, but it has two N's instead of <laughs> um, I'm so upset about that. I was gonna say, I don't know. I'm like for some reason thinking like too real worldy, like instead of making it like fun, extravagant, it would be like if I could have like a graphic novel that I did that like was super popular and like got turned into like an animated like movie or series or something, that'd be pretty awesome and then i was thinking maybe not movie but a tv show i'd like to be the host of whose line is it anyway just to be established as being really funny but like not having to actually do any of the like the stuff you know just like <laughs> awarding points and things uh like i like how you consider that the easy job <laughs> i think that's some, like easy jobs for actors yeah. and comedians and then I would endorse some sort of uh, toaster pastry, I guess. Yeah, that's what I would do. Hmm, yum. Uh, Yoder tarts. <laughs> I think, all right. I think I, having thought about this for the last five minutes, I think I want to be like the, um, like the Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Like I want to be like super good at making things, super good at tools and building things, but also like, uh, really engaging personality. Everybody wants to like look at my face and hear my voice say words. Uh, I think that'd be really fun, uh, except I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want the douchey vibe that Adam Savage sometimes has. <laughs> I want to be also nice and cool. Uh, but I think I have a good working relationship with your creative Yes, party. exactly. Likeable. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I want to be, yeah, Adam Savage maybe crossed with like, um, maybe, you know what, Adam Savage crossed with Ira Glass. Because then I could be like cool and like, uh, you know, uh, and all metro and uh, get to hang out with Ampy Giants. And that, that would I mean, be awesome. That's a great mix. And I want to, uh, I want to have a, uh, I want to have an action figure. Although none of those things are very active, but I want to have an action figure that uh, with like a Kung Fu grip situation. Beautiful. I think you win. That's, that's a really good combination. Although Mike, what's your, what's your list? Oh man. Again, only a few minutes to think about this. I need more time. Uh, I like the NPR route that John's going. Um, I think, like, if I think back to 90s me, it would be Ben Stiller for sure, like, wanting to be a comedian director character, like, because he's, like, he's both in front and behind the camera. He's amazing and a writer. <clears throat> and uh, so that already kind of fits so much of the superstar thing. And then, you know, crossed with an Alex Bloomberg who runs Gimlet Media, because I, I think, like, I'm obsessed with Reply All. and That is uh, a good podcast. Been, they're all such amazing podcasts. Um, and then I don't... The endorsement's really hard, because, like, I think about all the products I use in my daily life, and I'm like, I mean, I, would do, I, I implicitly endorse all those things. Um, but I'd like to go with the classic Coca-Cola endorsement, um, just because it's so generic that I could walk away. I could never drink Coke, and it wouldn't matter. But it's like big enough that people are like, oh, what? Pol Police endorsing Coke? Like, I just like the confusion around like a Coca-Cola endorsement as a generic American endorsement. And then... Um, I, I have watched a video where you drank a lot of Mountain Dew, so... Oh, true. Okay, oh, Mountain yeah. Dew. That's, right. That's true. I have... Uh, <laughs> Unpaid uh, Mountain Dew endorsement. No, no, that's totally paid. Paid. <laughs> totally paid Mountain Dew endorsement. <laughs> I think you referred to this eight minute video where I pretended to get endorsement from Mountain Dew and just said it tastes like urine. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm talking about the, the, the video you made where uh, you and your buddy drank all the different kinds of Mountain Dew that you could find. Yeah. Oh, that one, that one. Sorry. I guess You've done I have multiple two... Mountain Dew videos, Michael Foley. <laughs> I have actually. You may be a buffy virgin, but you're a uh, Mountain Dew very experienced person. Aficionado for sure. You He's, he's done the do, okay? He's done the do <laughs> on a couple times, all right? 
his uh, do has dropped. Yeah. <laughs> he does do. Do you do do? So yeah, Mountain right. Dew. Never mind. Since we're talking me. about the sex, uh, Michael, you want to cover your question next? Okay. So this <laughs> happens in Jonathan's uh, magical episode. The twins. Uh, the twins show up. I think they're champagne. Jonathan, won't you come to bed? And like, it's just a little bit of a, like a moment, but it's like, they're twins, right? Like, does anyone want to have sex with twins? I feel like there was this 90s preoccupation with the idea of twins. And there may have been some famous twins that performed nude together or like were in Playboy or something. Well, yeah, this like, is specifically Hugh Hefner, right? Had the twins living in the Playboy mansion with him. It's a specific real yeah. thing, right? Oh, okay. Why am I remembering some movie or ad where it's like twins, bro? Or like double you know, mint like, twins? No, but like someone like reacting like yeah. they're like, whoa, twins. Well, I know the first twins on Playboy were the Collinson twins who were the stars of Twins of Evil. Uh, one's a vampire and evil. The other's good and it's virtuous. You don't know which is which. You're in love with the good one. The vampire could bite you. Yeah, so it, I'd be twin. into that. One, one evil twin, one good twin. One's trying to kill me. Well, you answered my question. <laughs> one's already. trying to marry me. One's trying to kill me. No, I mean I think like twins taken one at a time, where it's like I have this relation with this twin and this relation with a different twin. But the twins together is actually you're asking these twins to commit incest together in order yeah. to be with you, and I think that's like that's such a big ask. And I the fact <laughs> you want to forever destroy your familiar bond. No, like just for I, fun for me. I think we all get that that's crazy, but I think there's just so much social conditioning that you can have that scene and not address it. Is like, holy shit, that is fucked up beyond all fucked up. That like two twin girls can appear as champagne. It's like twins. Sorry, not tonight. And it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck world do we live in where we could, as men or viewers, can be socially conditioned that it's okay that twins that I guess have sex with at the same time, you know, like would show up and like as a part of a a package anyway it's just like that found out that felt as beyond all fucked up to me and like but i smile because i'm like i i know this trope and yeah. it's just like but again would you actually want to have sex with twins that's the question yeah no obviously not well not the way i set it up that was unfair i should have been like hey the twins what do you think <laughs> would it be better if they were clones Yes, I think if they're clones, it's totally acceptable. Then it's just like they're from the same genetic... Um, Wait, are we know. talking about clones that were like cloned as babies and then grew up? Because that's basically just twins. Yeah. No, no not real clones. Like okay, we're talking about like you put somebody in like the Calvin duplicator machine yeah. and then you have sex with them. <laughs> I, I think that's also Calvin. <laughs> this is just terrifying. Um, anyway, I think the thing that was really wrong about that scene which I learned from the commentary is that those girls are from the South and then they get like Swedish voiceover, like uh, words put in them. <laughs> Swedish twins, of course. All right. So I guess we're still on the sexual questions uh, here, Dennis. I've already got, kind of addressed this in weird yeah. noticings, but I was just like, what are the implications of a world where everyone is attracted to one person? Like, <laughs> of Jonathan sexual world how does this world work um, I, I think it's remarkably similar to the world we live in now <laughs> yeah i think we're living in the uh, idris yeah. elba version of that world so uh, <laughs> yeah or, or the ariana grande or the blank i mean all this is going to sound so outdated in five years they'll be like who the hell is i think idris elba is a good one though that's he's he just quoted sexiest man alive yep um, there's that ai you know japanese ai like He's like, tonight we stop this apocalypse by everyone having sex with me. <laughs> There's like a famous Japanese pop star. That's AI, right? That's that's CGI. Uh, there are a couple different CGI creators at the moment. Yeah, yeah. They're made by marketing companies. Yeah. Yeah, but there's like a famous one. I thought, but anyways, that's like my version of this, Jonathan. I, I do prefer the idea of Jonathan like inspiring couples that are already happily together or whatever just to have sex because they get turned on by his presence, his musical abilities and whatnot. I think it gets to be a little bit gross when it's like, yeah, he's having sex with these twins that like probably would not talk to him or, you know, give him the time of day in normal reality. So it's like, aren't they like, I feel like, you know, that's kind of not fair to them, right? He's getting his jollies off or whatever, but 
If you commit a sin in a pocket universe that's then sort of erased later, is it a sin? Can God see your pocket sins? Well, in the Buffy universe, no. I mean, it's just like a little bit of moral guilt. So it's like you live with a tiny bit of moral guilt and it's the otherwise, it doesn't matter. I do think it's funny that he mentions the twins moved out, but he apparently still lives in the mansion at the end. (laughs) It'll get foreclosed soon, I'm sure. The spell falls apart in pieces, I guess. That would be, I would love the follow-up episode to be about Jonathan desperately trying to hold on to his fame. So he's going on like a book signing tour of these books that are exist out in the world <laughs> like, or whatever. Yeah. Like not because of an ego thing, but just because he's like trapped with like a thousand copies of the book and he's like, Yeah, he's trying to make money. <laughs> gotta get rid of all these author copies. <laughs> gotta pay the mortgage on the mansion. Uh, so anyway, now we're going on to recommendations, I think is next. recommendations i've always been a huge david yoder fan i think he's hilarious yeah ever since he started this podcast and he got us all together i felt like it was the right thing to do no like it's been great like ever since high school david's always been the funniest guy and i'm so glad he got us together to do the podcast i agree well there you have it and so dennis you have some recommendations oh i do um i was thinking about uh movies with either alternative timelines or like where like your reality is destroyed so like even though it's this so i I listed three this this week that uh everybody should have heard of but i feel like a lot of people for some reason didn't grow up watching total recall all the time um (laughs) so total recall is a totally dumb movie but it's like based on a really good like complex plot idea Schwarzenegger in that movie is basically either going through, depending on your point of view, what Jonathan's going through or what Buffy's going through of like their world is a lie. And like, they think they should be this like amazing spy superhero, uh, but they're not, they're just running this normal life. The dumb thing about total recall is it like, it doesn't like the movie's awesome. I love it. It's It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, But it's like, it doesn't take this complex idea seriously at all. So like at the very end, he's like, I just had this crazy idea. What if this was a dream? (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, he's Schwarzenegger the whole time. So when he's like, I'm just a normal man. How am I able to do all these amazing things? You know, because you're Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Um, Anyway, if you haven't seen Total Recall, you really should. And you mean the Paul Verhoeven, Arnold Schwarzenegger one, not the more recent remake. Yeah, did that sound like my Colin... Firth voice. I'm Colin Firth. <laughs> Fall in love with my beautiful eyes. Um, uh, Back to the Future Part Two obviously has a great uh, alternative timeline. Um, and Mulholland Drive is a movie that the first place, the first part takes place uh, in an alternative timeline. Kind of to spoil what theor- you theorize is the plot of Mulholland Drive. <laughs> the movie doesn't actually reveal it. But the first part of that movie takes place in an alternative timeline created by somebody as a wish fulfillment, I think. Do you remember That's that movie team with the little card in the DVD sleeve that was like a list of 10 hints to try to figure out what the plot is? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Sounds amazing. Uh, and I uh, have my own recommendation on the list here too uh the matrix of course uh so i think everyone should go watch it and then just imagine instead of that keanu guy you were great uh, in that david it was really good thank you i also liked you in being david yoder (laughs) yeah that one was fun too (laughs) all right what are we ready for now i think we're ready for our virgins predictions Virgin Predictions. All right. So at the moment, our Virgin has a score of 63.74%. I've only got two to talk about, although there may be others that I missed. Anybody notices a prediction that I'm missing, uh, please let me know. Uh, So back in season two, episode 22, Michael predicts, there will never be a Jonathan-focused episode. Uh, we were so happy when you made that prediction. Yes. The, there was grins all around when you made that prediction. Check the tape. Similarly, 
uh, just a handful of episodes later, uh, at the beginning of season three, Mike, you predicted that we will not see Jonathan after graduation. That is similarly denied. So, well, okay. So can I explain my reasoning for these? Because I think that's kind of important contextually is that every time Jonathan appeared in this episode in any episode, all of you would be like, Oh, did you see Jonathan? Jonathan did <laughs> like, a fucking yeah, big character. He did nothing. Dense. He did nothing. This is a troll. This is something you all agreed on to fuck with me. <laughs> and so I took the opinion that it was bullshit because it, it's like, and you were like, Oh, he later went on to do this. Um, He's like an Academy Award winning screenwriter or whatever the deal is about the actual real life actor. And I thought you had a special relation with him based on his real life doings and that this is some kind of weird joke, an inside joke. Uh, so, and it is an inside joke. But anyway, I assumed you were all leading me astray. With our love for Jonathan, I don't think that's possible. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> the most authentic thing there is. It's but also, I didn't, love. no one could predict the colossal fuck up of season four when central cast members take a hike and they have to invent a, whole, a show from whole cloth and then look back through the timeline and come up with his Jonathan insanity. Oh, I like to think this was this was always in the plan. Yeah, it seems it seems random enough. It was always there. I think in the commentary too, the writer said that it was Joss Whedon's idea for this episode. In any case, this is uh, brings Michael now to a sixty-three percent. So you've lost a little bit of decimals at the end there, and you're now at exactly sixty-three. Okay, so I have new new predictions based on this episode. So, people will remember when Jonathan was the center of the universe. I'm being generic, but people in Sunnydale will remember that Jonathan was the center of their world in some way. Uh, Jonathan will join the Scooby gang for an adventure and not be very helpful. He will not have his Jonathan powers, but people will kind of let him in and he'll be like, uh, yeah, I don't know what to do. Actually, I'm scared. Um, Jonathan will keep the mansion. So we will see Jonathan in his mansion. I don't, he might lose it, but he's going to keep it for at least a little while. And, I mean, uh, Angel was able to have that giant house that he lived in forever. So That's true. The real estate in Sunnydale is insane. <laughs> California is as a crisis, and there's all these empty houses in Sunnydale. Nobody's fucking using. Well, I mean, I guess, how long can you be in a foreclosure? I mean, probably Angel's been in that foreclosure for <laughs> so long. Uh Xander will miss Jonathan. I think he already does, yeah. No, but he's going to miss him in another episode. Xander okay. specifically will miss Jonathan. And it may be because of, you know, the way Anya loves Jonathan. You know, she's like, who knows? But I, I, want, a, I want a Xander line that's like, I miss Jonathan. I'm happy that you have these uh, Jonathan-specific predictions, Mike. They're, they're good. Now we're ready, I think, for themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. My takeaway is Jonathan's quote from the episode, if you really want it, you can make anything happen. And uh, so Jonathan wants to be very cool and the best, but what he didn't realize was he already is you know he's a very cool guy as we all accept except for michael for some reason but anyway um you know jonathan's the best and i think the best case uh to to support that is how he is willing to take out the monster and lose everything that he's gained from the spell that he created you know to save buffy in the end and i think that's a pretty good lesson a true hero sacrifices only mortals can achieve greatness. I learned that this week. <laughs> and now, I guess, uh, time for a new segment just for this episode where it is going to be Michael's crimes against Jonathan that we will be putting him on trial. And I have some evidence that I brought uh, for this case. And so... Uh, I think now at this time, I'll share that evidence. Uh, there's five different clips, so I'll play them one at a time here. The other new character in this episode is Jonathan. Uh, yeah, maybe it's I'll, spoilers to mention him, but... I didn't mention, uh, him, just, on, I, I didn't mention him on the summer, because, <laughs> but I, I was like, 
That's too much. I mean, I think, yeah, Jonathan. I actually, I, I had forgotten that this was Oz's first episode, but I remembered very well that it was Jonathan's first episode. <laughs> he doesn't even have a line. I only know he has a line. He says, aren't you with uh, Xander? And he says, <laughs> uh, your hands are really rough. Uh, I should go. How could you forget a great first line of dialogue like that? I mean, come on, Michael. Jeez. So I think we all remember that moment from uh, Jonathan's first appearance. And where Michael was kind of slagging on Jonathan there for not being memorable or not even remembering that he had dialogue in the episode. I mean, come on. That's his, I don't blame Michael, though, because like that's that I have a fog about that when I think about us recording that something about that doesn't seem right to me, but I can't put my finger on what it was. No, that's the clip. I pulled it from the episode. I don't know what you're Maybe talking it was that about. Jonathan voice I did. I was like, what am I doing? Maybe that was it. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, all right, so then the next clip here is from the next episode. Um, the, clearing this episode up, um, we finally know Jonathan's name. I think this came up some other point, but the sad sap, um, his name is Jonathan, and um, it's pretty great. And I, I, Why how is he great? He didn't do anything. No, he's a great, I mean, he's like inspiration for sad saps like me. <laughs> it's a sad sap, Jonathan. Oh. I don't know. We've seen him. We've seen him in a couple episodes up until this point. We saw him in last episode, actually. Yeah, last episode in Kamami Girl, and I think we saw him in season one at some point. Season one. What are you smoking, Travis? We just <laughs> talked about how last episode was Jonathan's introduction. It was his first appearance. Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. I just I I love Jonathan so much. Like maybe I've inserted him into season one in my mind. Yeah, you, like you know, uh, as, so, sorry Yoder, but uh, any true Jonathan fan would know that Jonathan was in the unaired Buffy pilot. So that's probably what Travis was thinking about. Are we sure he was? He, yeah, okay. he wasn't bullied at the zoo. Maybe I thought maybe he was bullied at the zoo. But you're uh, right. no, that's a different guy. Yeah. Oh my god, this is insane. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, it's insane that you would question the greatness that is Jonathan. Um, so here we go. On with clip number three. Three. Here's a, okay. Here's a question, Mike. Would you have noticed like Jonathan if it wasn't for us like obsessing about every Jonathan appearance? Answer the question, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> at this point but i probably wouldn't know his name i would agree with buffy well he's kind of a regular character on this show he's the regular bit character that's always abused uh, not very nice what you had to say about jonathan that time michael what an assessment jeez i think that was from the party when uh buffy came back right yeah came back i gotta say all this evidence is really stacking up against you so far yeah, and I guess I should point out, um, for these crimes, I think the only fair judgment would be, I, I think we may have to decide whether our virgin is allowed to continue on watching this great show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, with the great character Jonathan. Um, you know, be a virgin you could staff. probably find another virgin out on the street that's willing to be <laughs> part of the show. Harsh, but fair. Uh, so I've got two more clips, uh, if you're counting. Uh, this is clip number four uh, from when Jonathan was in that watchtower. You know, and it was kind of a lead. But let's hear what Michael had to say about it. Uh, well, speaking of Jonathan, of course, uh, in the this pivotal scene where, you know, he's like slowly putting together a rifle, it just like the intent on his face is so strange. I, it just, I don't have the sense he knows how guns work in any scene where he's, where the guns are happening. I know it's all done very deliberately and like almost as if he's under a spell or something. I have a lot of questions about why Jonathan's doing this stuff, but uh, it just doesn't look like he knows how it works. Also, I mean, we'll get to this as an aside, but like, if you're going to kill yourself, I, the rifle seems very out of place as the right tool. Wow. Just wow. Not the right tool, huh? Wow. What a low blow. <laughs> At least we have the evidence there of me calling you out. Yeah. Okay. Um, call you <clears throat> and then I believe uh, the last episode is from, or the last clip is from the episode The Prom. Um, is it The Prom? <laughs> anyway, yeah. the dance where Jonathan shows up and awards Buffy with that. Who's the award. judge, this, these are your, ev this is your evidence. <laughs> Listen, I was up 
late last night pulling this clips together you just you sit there you take your medicine young man all right here we go <laughs> clip number five i was super happy to see jonathan there with the date that was like a little aside kind of moment of course then he gets on stage but like it looks like he's sliding into a better place <laughs> and <Ooh>. I, <laughs> not cool dude That just just does not age well. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess we have to come to a a verdict here. Um, Maybe we should let our fans decide if Michael's allowed to stay on (laughs) or not. But I think the evidence stands as read. And that's uh, this episode of the Buffy Virgin. Let the fans decide. Maybe we'll do a Twitter poll. Yeah, that'd be good. Put it up on the old twits. And, uh, of course, as always, make sure to check out my funny comics at David and David at the movies.wordpress.com. We can see my reviews of movies. And thanks for listening, everybody. Wait, wait. Bye. That's not how we usually end things, is it? Wait, yeah, that's how we always end it. It's how it's always ended. There's a monster with long arms back here. He's got... Uh, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Yoda's not usually the host. I'm usually the host. What the fuck's happening? Oh!